Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. NFL draft in the books. It is officially fantasy football season, namely hot, hot best ball summer. This week, we've already wrapped up our quarterback tiers. It's a first look at our positional rankings. That means today, running back tiers time. Hayden, some might say the the beat that drives what fantasy football is every single year. Before we get going, we did this for quarterbacks. I thought it was really beneficial. How are you attacking or even just looking at the running back position in drafts this summer? If you look at the data year by year, you're going to see massive swings and how valuable the running back position is. Like a couple years ago, it was very clear you needed one or maybe two running backs, and that's going to help your team early on. And then last year was a great year for zero running back for most of the year until Austin Eckler went crazy in the finals. But this year, I'm kind of leaning towards getting back to the early running backs because the entire running back position, I think because your RB was effective last year, is priced down like almost like a full round compared to like where the uh, running back 14 was last year versus this year. The wide receivers are priced up. And if I'm just kind of looking at like where I think the running backs project better than the wide receivers, and I think it's like somewhere around this like wide receiver or the round two, three turn where you have like players like Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb going after or right in the middle of players like Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, T Higgins, who I love, but are wide receiver twos on their own team. So I think right now I like the early, early round running backs and I hate the running back three, four range right now. So I'm going to be taking kind of this like barbell approach. I call it bimodal running back, early running backs, and then late running backs. couple things. We are, Looking at this through the lens of best ball, that means half point PPR. It is God's game. We know this and multiple ways can win. And as Hayden said, all of the studies that you see are going to say that zero running back was the most effective last year. You can say that and also say the person that won the $2 million grand prize at the end of it loaded up on running backs to start the draft. And while the $1 million regular season prize winner went zero running back, uh, second place just behind them also loaded up on running backs early on. So half point PPR allows for all strategies to win. And it's to me, every single year, there's a different area to attack running back, you know, and I'm excited to get into the top 24 and to tear them out and see if we can locate that area like you just did in the lead up. All right, let's jump into it. It is no surprise that our running back one, and arguably, and maybe we can talk, have this conversation in a tier by himself, it is Christian McCaffrey. 
last year, once he went to the 49ers, he was third overall in better and best ball points per game, which is my metric looking at fantasy points over replacement using underdog scoring. I mean, he was just dominant. He averaged 112 total yards per game, a total touchdown per game. And I think you can make an argument that it seems like with Brock Purdy definitely having an upper hand over Trey Lance eventually, I think that's probably going to be good for Christian McCaffrey, more of a check down guy, not going to steal as many uh, red zone rushes as well. So Christian McCaffrey, he's the late. If he stays healthy, he's there's no way he's not going to finish top five. You did. CMC has now scored over 350 fancy points in each of his last three full seasons. And I think there was a little bit of discourse when we're so focused on like in season of, okay, what is his move from the Panthers when he loaded up on volume do when he goes to a better team in the 49ers? Well, with the Panthers at the start of last season, he averaged about 17 fancy points in those six games. And that jumped to 19.3 in the 11 games with the 49ers. And I even remember again, some conversation when the 49ers were so far up on certain games that he didn't hit that like 20 touch mark and people getting nervous of, well, Elijah Mitchell is going to be there. And we know Kyle Shanahan likes to split his backs. It really helps when you're on a really good team, because if you're on a really good team, they are blowing out opponents and they're scoring touchdowns. And most likely Christian McCaffrey is going to be the one that is impacting the scoreboard. I completely agree. The only conversation for me is, should he be the 101, like him versus Jefferson? I think Jefferson is a little bit safer because of injury risk, but I think Christian McCaffrey, if you want to take him first overall, I would not even bat an eye at all. Yeah, there were some interesting dynamics between he and Elijah Mitchell, like in the four games they played together, McCaffrey just had three more carries, uh, 42 compared to 39, and saw one fewer red zone look. But again, I, I don't think that's like a full sample size. Like he totally changes the offense. And as we see, and as you said, like the third down checkdowns, no one doesn't like him throughout the league and the attention that defense is paid to him. You can see their eyes avert over and it just allows, you know, second, third level throws to George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk versus what any other running back does out there on the field. So to me, I understand why our consensus and mostly the consensus out there is going to be Christian McCaffrey as a running back one. All right. Own tier for me. Owned here. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll leave him there then. Let's then go to our second ranked running back. He is tied for someone else, but let's make it spicy here, Hayden. We're going to throw a rookie in the bunch, Bijan Robinson, as our overall running back, too. So last year, the Atlanta Falcons were eighth in expected fantasy points to their running backs combined. So there were some CPAT weeks. There was definitely some Algier weeks. If you're looking at just like some of his closest comps, it is pretty intriguing. According to my model, his closest comps. Uh, by the way, he's a 99th percentile prospect. It's like Melvin Gordon, Darren McFadden, Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch. When you're looking at those guys, those guys are volume hogs. And we know that Bijan Robinson is going to be super efficient just because Tyler Algier was. And we all know that Bijan is just better. So I don't think that he's going to exit out of the first round. I think it's just kind of a debate. Would you rather have Eckler's ceiling or Bijan's ceiling? Uh, he's going to be a first round pick and he definitely should be. Yeah, the Falcons last year were an interesting case because Marcus Mariota ran the offense much differently than Matt Ryan did. And then in the little segment that we got Desmond Ritter, who's going to be the start of this year, most likely it was slightly different than Marcus Mariota. And what we've heard from Arthur Smith so far, this, well, actually let's hear from him. Let's hear from him and how he like believes the evolution of the offense is going to change this year in comparison to last year. A lot of flexibility, right? You can, you can get unique with your personnel packages. Uh, you can line up where it looks like 22 personnel. You can line up where it looks like 10 personnel, 11, get into empty. So it allows you to, to 
put a lot of stress, even just pre-snap, logistically, as you're going onto the field and, uh, you know, the way we operate and play. And we'll evolve. You know, there's not – because we did something last year. I mean, you look at our passing numbers from 21 to last year, I mean, they're, they're, you're going to see them more balanced this year, the way we want to play and how we want to evolve as an offense as well. And so Bijan, you know, obviously he can carry the football. That's obvious. But the other way, you can, you can find ways to get guys touches, you know, whether, you know, first, second down, when you're talking about the screen games, you're talking about some of the intermediate stuff. Uh, so we feel really good where we're at skill-wise. So two things I want to pinpoint there. One, we're already getting the off-season trope of a running back being used slightly as a wide receiver in the slot. He talks about it that said his slot work and his workout is why they love Bijan so much. I wouldn't really pay attention to that element. The element that jumped out to me, Hayden, was the balance. Because last year, the Falcons led the league in rushing attempts with 33. And so it might be, oh, a sky is falling. They want to be more balanced. Well, league average was about 28, you know? Mm -hmm. And Marcus Mariota still owned about, what, six carries per game last season. So if you, like, just move some of those quarterback carries over to the running back side, they're still basically getting the same exact volume that they did last year. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if Bijan's not top five in, like, expected fantasy points. And I would be also shocked if he's not one of the better running backs in the league immediately. So, yeah, right there with you. Also in this tier, Austin Eckler. Um, outstanding season last year, 127 targets for 107 catches. Unreal pass game usage, right? And that was for 722 yards and five touchdowns. And the year before that, he almost got his production in a slightly different way. Not that he didn't score touchdowns last year, but 20 touchdowns the year before. So we've kind of seen these two styles of scoring fantasy points both hit in previous years. And now maybe the third element on top of that is we just get a most likely better offensive coordinator and play caller for our purposes. In the last two years, fifth overall player, second overall player. And he's going much later than that on underdog. So I've been drafting him to start. There are some red flags. Obviously, he's 28 years old. He's a smaller back, and he's known to take definitely a pounding. There are trade rumors, but I think at this point, we would, we would have seen it already. I don't think any other team's trying to pay him a bunch of money. And when I'm looking at the Chargers roster again, as much as Austin Eckler wants a counterpart, it's still Isaiah Spiller and Joshua Kelly again. Right. So unless they bring in Zeke <laughs> or something like that, I think that we should expect a bunch of touchdowns from Austin Eckler, and I still think that he's going to get a bunch of targets. Probably not as much. I would be shocked if he's a top five overall player again this year, but his odds of becoming a top five running back are higher than basically everyone else's outside of Christian McCaffrey. So I'm going to be buying. Yeah, he is the lone player at his position to score 300 plus points in each of the last two seasons. And you said it like they have searched for like that complimentary back, whether it be Joshua Kelly or Isaiah Speller, and it just like hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. Maybe it does this year. And like, I think Eckler kind of wants it to. And even if, if it does, like you're still headed towards this top three status. Like again, the way he has delivered production for the last two years, I don't want to use the term safe when it comes to running back prospect or running back players, but kind of see it put into practice. Okay. Next up, Saquon Barkley is our running back for tell us why. He was 10th overall last year, kind of right in this uh, running back four range. Only downside risk right now is he still hasn't signed his franchise tag. I would guess right. he would be the top of my list of like who could potentially hold out. Now, I still think the odds are fairly low, but he is playing on the franchise tag right now. The offensive line looks all right. I think that the Giants offense will just be probably slightly better now that they've added a couple more pieces and it's second year in the system. I think that Saquon Barkley is going to be providing value right, right at the round one, two turn. It would have stood out to me if they were nervous that he wasn't going to play this year, that they would have like invested a little bit more in the running back 
running back position, but it's now still just Matt Breida behind him and like a fifth round rookie and Eric Gray. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that dynamic at the running back spot last year led him actually to a career best 1300 rushing yards. I mean, 284 fantasy points was second best total of his career. 352 touches matched that of his rookie season. Like we basically got rookie year Saquon last year, maybe just slightly less juice, but look, Certainly this team we talked about in the quarterback video, this team overperformed last year, but they, whether it be one year or these conversations that they're having of a longer term contract, either way, the team wants to win. And they understand that getting Saquon Barkley the football is pivotal in order for them to get the W each and every week. So I'm totally in on Saquon Barkley being a top five running back again this year. Yeah, it's basically a contract year for him. That every basically every and, single year is a running back or a contract year for the running back position. That's just how it is. Okay. Nick Chubb is next on our list. Hayden, we love Nick Chubb. This oh, is yeah. a pro Nick Chubb show. This is right around where his ADP is. We're slightly ahead of it. Um, I think where Nick Chubb is going right now is a total smash on underdog fantasy this summer. Yeah, it's full Chubb season once again. He was 17th uh, and 15th in better and best ball points per game over the last two seasons. And there's this year, I think there's obviously more upside. For for now, Kareem Hunt's not on the roster. There's a chance that he resigns. But if he doesn't, Jerome Ford's fine. I think he's a nice sleeper. But I think that there's a chance that Nick Chubb would get more receptions than he ever has before. And there's more upside with Deshaun Watson. Uh, right now, Las Vegas has opened up. The Browns win total at 9.5 wins. I think that's pretty good for Nick Chubb. He's just a safe player, still in the prime of his career, and still can argue that he's the best or one of the best uh, pure rushers in the game. Sometimes I feel like PPR brain clouds you when making decisions in half-point PPR and underdog because Nick Chubb might be devalued in those people's eyes, again, in full-point PPR leagues or whatever other platform, if those exist, that you play on. Um Nick Chubb, sure, he might be a one-trick pony in terms of rushing, but he's arguably the best in the league at it. <laughs> like, he led the NFL in 15-plus yard carries last season. And, like, dating back to college, this is as isolated he's ever been at the running back position, as you said. Like, in college, it was with Sonny Michelle. His rookie year was with Carlos Hyde. Over the last few years, it's been with Kareem Hunt. Like, sure, they might throw the football more because they've invested in that area much more since obviously Baker Mayfield was at the quarterback position. But guess what? As we always say, if a team scores more points, that is helpful to the running back position because there are more chances he's going to have scoring touchdowns. He only had 20 carries inside the 20 yard line last year. That can easily get to 30, 32 this season. And six points are so meaningful each and every week for us in underdog fantasy drafts. I also think that he can catch the ball if he gets the opportunity. Yeah. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Jonathan Taylor is actually next for us. Uh, I mean, for most of last season, Hayden, he was 101, 102, right next to Christian McCaffrey. I am optimistic about what the Colts can be this year. I think they will be better than they were last year. I mean, we saw freaking Jeff Saturday, for God's sakes. Um, but what gives the drop-off here from Jonathan Taylor from, again, last year's 101 and 102 to now being our seventh-ranked running back. Yeah, uh, he's one of the players that I'm going to be fading in the first round, just looking at kind of what this offense comes from. Philadelphia, they were a very 
good running the ball, but their fantasy running backs don't get that much volume because Jalen Hurts is going to be running the ball inside the red area. He's not going to throw the passes to the running backs. And I think that Anthony Richardson is going to do a worse version of what we saw with Jalen Hurts. Um, and Jonathan Taylor, he had offseason ankle surgery. I hope hopefully that that's all squared away, but he did not have that good of a season uh, last year. He was the running back 16 in fantasy points over replacement per game. So I don't understand his ADP currently right now. I think that mm-hmm. Nick Chubb has projects a little bit better. Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler uh, as well. So I just looking at kind of where the Eagles were last year with their fantasy running backs. And then you just look at it, the Colts, their win totals at six and a half instead of what right. the Eagles won at 14 games or whatever. So I just think this could be harder for Jonathan Taylor to pay off because he's not going to be catching that many passes. Yeah. Can we spend a little bit more time on this one? Because he is, as you said, going as the second overall running back on underdog right now. Again, we are less than a week out from best ball mania for launching. Um, I get it again from the standpoint of what he put on the field just a couple of years ago. Like, again, we talked about Austin Eckler. He was running back one last year with 320 fantasy points. That was 33 fewer than Jonathan Taylor's when he was the running back one, right? Um, Josh Jacobs led the NFL with 1,653 rushing yards last year. That was 158 fewer than what Jonathan Taylor had the year before. So like his running back one status Mm -hmm. was nutso stuff. But, and I want to caveat that, the concern is if this team is a lot better, then yes, touchdowns will be had. But what we saw last year with Shane Sykin and the Philadelphia Eagles is when you have a mobile quarterback, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders tied for the third most carries inside of the 10-yard line last year. And Jalen Hurts scored 11 touchdowns off of those. So if it was Jonathan Taylor running behind like Gardner Minshew, I would be totally cool with that. But since we are probably getting the inside the 10-yard line touchdown split in half between the quarterback and the running back, it makes it prevents me from getting them all the way up to like the second running back status. And I'm more comfortable at the running back five running back six status. And as much as we love Anthony Richardson, there's a chance that the Colts are very bad this year. Just he needs some yeah. development time. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the five worst offenses in the NFL. That doesn't mean that we're fading Anthony Richardson in fantasy or are down on his long term upside. But I think for this year, I think we should project the Colts to be one of the worst offenses in the league. Yeah, I think that's a great point because while my optimistic brain said, hey, 20 touchdowns split between two guys, it's probably not. It's going to probably be 12 touchdowns inside the 10-yard line split between the two because there certainly aren't the Philadelphia Mm -hmm. Eagles yet. Yet. Soon. (laughs) Okay. So that is our running back six. To round out this list, um, it's probably the best value of last season. Well, not probably, definitely. Josh Jacobs. Um, I didn't see it coming. Last year, I can say you didn't either. Uh, (laughs) So talk to me. Josh Jacobs, has anything changed, you know, less than half a year since he really was last year's running back one or running back two, depending on your score? Yeah, he was a top five overall player. If he lost four fantasy points per game, he would still be a top 10 running back. I don't see what's really changed with this offense. Derek Carr, Jimmy G, I think relatively the same player. I think the offense isn't going to change structurally. The offensive line wasn't good last year. It's not good this year. I think that they're going to get Josh Jacobs the rock a ton. It's another contract year for him. So what's really changed? Like, why is why is he a third-round pick again? He was top, a top five overall player last year. I mean, what, what exactly? He's not old. Like, what is it? Right. right. Uh, I'm totally with you. Uh Whenever his name pops up here at this turn, I'm totally cool with drafting him because situations 
it hasn't changed. Like, I, and I actually think dating back to the combine, they want to get a long-term deal with him. You know, I don't think this is the same even situation as Saquon Barkley, where they might move on after this year. Like Josh McDaniels has planted his flag. I think in the camp of Josh Jacobs being a figurehead of this offense. And there was even a game last year where he like had to be the guy to win that week for you. 45.3 fantasy points. I believe that was back in week 12. So again, unless something has changed, like kind of what we anticipated heading into last year of like a Brandon Bolden or as Amir white or Amir Abdullah, just totally popping up here and making a difference after doing nothing and taking nothing away last year, that would be shocking. That would totally shock me. Josh Jacobs ADP is like literally why I think I'm on early round, early round running back to some extent right now. Like I, I truly do not understand this ADP. We'll see. First name in the next year. It is Ramondre Stevenson about this time last year. And we're going to do a second year breakout show. Um, he was, he went about like, I don't know, eight or nine running back spots later than when he finished it right before week one. I love Ramondre Stevenson's game. I can't say enough how brutal that offense was last year. And even with how brutal it was, he had the sixth most carries in the league of 15 plus yards. Um, I think the biggest difference for him last year, Hayden, was one, again, the offense was so bad that they barely had any carries inside the five-yard line. He had just seven of them. I think Damian Harris had just like two of them. And if you rewind the year before when Damian Harris was among the league leaders and touchdowns scored, he had nine touchdowns inside the five-yard line. Again, Ramondre had just seven carries inside the five last year compared to nine touchdowns the previous year from their lead runner. So a boost a raising of the tides could mean a massive season for Ramondre this year. The Patriots were dead last in the percentage of their red zone drives ending in a touchdown. Despite that, he was still 29th overall last year, and the Patriots were 11th in expected fantasy points to the running back position. Maybe there's a chance Pierre Strong or one of these other backs kind of pops up, but I'm betting against them. I think that Damian Harris is way better than any of the rest of these guys. And like you said, Ramondre Stevenson provides some some pop on like explosive plays. I think Bill O'Brien's going to get this team back into the red zone more often. And right. they added a bunch of depth uh, all across their offensive line this offseason. So Ramondre Stevenson can carry 300-plus touches on his body. And I think the Patriots are going to be better this way. And I think the best way to attack the Patriots getting better in best ball right now is probably through Ramondre Stevenson, Love just that. because like Max ceilings kind of lower Juju ceilings kind of lower Ramondre's ceiling does not exist. It's all the way to the roof. I've seen some beat writers mention over the years that they view Ramondre kind of like Alvin Kamara with the new Orleans saints. And while the body types are quite different, that's more of like an explosive passing down back in some ways. And maybe they don't trust him in short yardage situations. But I look at the depth chart and they literally like don't have another player that you can trust in short yardage situations. Right. Like maybe it can be Kevin Harris. Maybe it can be Pierre Strong. And like to those two names credit, we saw Ramondre's rookie year that it took him a long time to actually get touches. And once you graduate from the rookie year in a Bill Belichick offense, you're more likely to get a role. But I don't see either of them having the talent a la Ramondre and like again just this ecosystem that he's in it could be for one of those like LeGarrette Blunt plus passing down work type seasons that we've seen historically for them I think if you want to bet against Matt Patricia draft Ramondre Stevenson <laughs> all right uh now going back to our second year players Brees Hall Brees Hall's up here Hayden we talk all the time about significant injuries what they mean Brees Hall was electric 
prior to his injury last year, just big plays in the alley. Uh, he really changed the scope of that offense that was struggling. He was the lone bright spot at times. So what gives us confidence here to put him near the top of the B tier? So October ACL plus meniscus tear, uh, not a clean ACL uh, tear, but it wasn't like with an LCL or PCL or patella or something like that. So right now it seems like he's on track for week one, even if he's not uh, there for week one, which I would put as a kind of a surprise at this point later in the season, he can really explode. We know that uh, Aaron Rodgers always had a high ceiling running back in there. Uh, I don't think that they trust the rest of their roster. That's why they were kind of in the mix for like Jameer Gibbs or some rumors with that. Uh, If Brees Hall is the guy, I think that he has a massive ceiling. His last four games uh, before tearing his ACL, 16 carries, three receptions on them, equivalent to the 17th overall player. Uh, This offense is going to be better than what it was last year as well. So I think Brees Hall, it'd probably be long odds, but I think that he has odds of being a top three overall uh, player this year. It was slightly on my radar that the Jets seemingly were going to invest in Jameer Gibbs with that mid first round selection and the Lions kind of beat them to it. Now, it doesn't mean that they like didn't invest in the running back position at all. But again, I want to bring up that Izzy Abanaconda is very different than Jameer Gibbs and Izzy is a big play. Let's take it 40, 50, 60 yards of the house. He is not a grinder despite his weight. Like that is just not his style in the least. And so... To me, Brees Hall's status as maybe he doesn't average 20 touches a week, but if he averages 16, 17, 18, that's absolutely plausible. And again, when this team drafted him, it was all about we can't grind out 11, 12, 13 play touchdown drives over and over. You have to hit big plays and like hopefully coming back from this injury. And I think all positive signs head in that direction. Even Robert Sala has been saying it, that uh, keeping that juice again is I don't think you can really put a uh, a value to it. Like it is so, so important to us when we talk about scoring uh, a lot of fancy points on a weekly basis. Yep. Totally agree. Okay. Tony Pollard, speaking of explosive plays, Hayden, everyone's wish Ezekiel Elliott is gone. What does that now mean for Tony Pollard, who you and I rank as our running back 10? So I think this is still a wait and see because the Cowboys didn't really address the running back position in the draft. They, they drafted uh, Deuce Vaughn, uh, who we'll see will make the roster. By the way, Deuce Vaughn's uncle is a scout for the Cowboys. Did you see that his video? Father. His father. I thought it was his uncle. Father. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Even crazier. Um, Tony Pollard, he has a broken fibula. He suffered that in the playoffs. It sounds like he's going to be on pace to come back, but that's a relatively scary injury for a relatively smaller running back. Uh, if Zeke doesn't return, I think there's massive upside with Tony Pollard. Obviously uh, last year, the Cowboys were fifth in expected fancy points to the running back position. Zeke Elliott was third and inside the five yard line carry. So there's so many opportunities for Tony Pollard to digest. We'll see if they bring back Zeke. The longer that Zeke holds out, the the more likely I think it is that he's going to return on a cheaper deal. Uh, So we'll see. I think for now, this is a good spot. If, if Zeke signs somewhere else, if Leonard Fournette signs somewhere else, they might move Tony Pollard up a spot or two. If those guys return, I might drop him down the spot or two. This type of roster change always interests me because it's the explosive back that may have been more explosive because he wasn't getting a ginormous workload. Again, Tony Pollard had the third most carries of 15 plus yards last year. And I, I battle with myself with it, to be honest with you. Like again, being the guy that's able to get off the bench and then take it 40, 50 yards 
but then not having, you know, 13 carries where you're down and then boom, you try to hit that. I think there is a legit difference. And like I, his positional coach even said that as much last year, but uh, even obviously coming off of that broken fibula, I am totally in on this spot for Tony Pollard. I'm slightly shocked that people haven't juiced him up a bit higher, but maybe things change because they certainly do throughout the summer. So if you're in on Tony Pollard this year, this might be the latest you can get him if another running back isn't brought in. Yep. Let's put it that way. Okay. Would you put odds on them bringing another running back, by the way? I, I'd say that they're fairly high. <laughs> Sadly, I had to be that guy. They just have to get like Zeke super sad and then Jerry to call him and be like, hey, man. I think he's pretty sad. He put out the teams that he wanted and then immediately the, the teams that he wanted were like, yeah, we haven't talked to him. Okay. To close out this tier, it's uh Derrick Henry every year, every year. It kind of feels like we fade Derrick Henry and not just us, like everyone. Right. I mean, even last year, I believe he finishes like the third overall running back. Right. And we have him as running back 11. By the way, do you have a landline? Is that a landline phone? What the hell is going on over there? The apartment alarm. There's some delivery downstairs. <laughs> Jeez, I thought you. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, Derrick Henry, the last two years, finished first and fourth and better in best ball points per game overall. Um, but he's 29. He's coming off a season with 382 touches. And there's a new left tackle, left guard, center, and right guard. I don't know what to do. I think I think this is like when you should be aiming for the ceiling, even if he's not going to have the ceiling for the entire season. There's a couple times in the beginning part of the year, or if he gets injured and returns late, where he can have 30 touches and like he's the guy you need. So I think this is the point where it's like, okay, I've seen these guys be top five overall players. The rest of the running back position we have never seen before. Um, so I think this is the time to kind of be dipping your toes into the Derrick Henry water. It's the third round all of a sudden. Right. You know, it's not the middle of the first round where he had been going the last couple of years yeah i mean in an alternate universe i think we could have seen more of like a renovation of this tennessee titans roster but in some ways it's kind of bringing everyone back and i guess by everyone i mean ryan Tannehill and derrick henry you know mm -hmm. um but we've seen that extremely productive in the past so yeah it, it is a more palatable price tag to bank on prior to the season even though all of our pessimism in previous seasons was thrown at our faces at the end of it. Cause Derrick Henry just scores points period. <laughs> like it's you, weird. You know, do you think there's like a chance like right before the trade deadline, the Titans are like totally over it. And then in like Joe Mixon's hurt or the bills are haven't got enough of Damien Harris. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, what's up uh, Derrick Henry? You want to join the Super Bowl contender? Like this would be the type of player that that would kind of fit. Yeah, and he, he's obviously totally different than Christian McCaffrey, but like a team looking to try to get a second or a third round pick, I don't even know if one would give, because again, their styles are are drastically different. But the push, you know, Derek Henry could help you with that push yep. towards the Super Bowl. Okay, that is the end of our third tier. That means it's 11 names, and that means you all need to go draft them right after this video on Underdog Fantasy Best Ball. I. You've heard the term best ball. I'm sure you have. It's a growing game. We love to see it. If you've never actually tried it and you're like, I'm going to do that eventually, do it right now. There's a link in the description down below. We just launched Best Ball Mania 4. Then there are also private drafts that you can send off to your friends. Enter one-offs on the side as well. Like, do one of those. And I guarantee you, you will enjoy best ball because it's just the best part of fantasy football. All you do is draft, and then we take care of your optimal lineup for you from there. And it's 18 rounds, so you get to draft like all of your favorite sleepers, all of your favorite rookies. 
So go right now and play on Underdog Fantasy. 20,000 people have already done it in the first 72 hours. So, wow. You're, you're, not, you're not as much of a sicko as you think you are. Lots of people are already drafting. Yeah, do it right now and then enjoy it for the rest of the summer. Okay, now let's jump into the C tier. Hayden, Travis Etienne is right here. And Travis Etienne had a really interesting season in my eyes because he went from a back that might have been viewed as like a satellite player or a big play threat and then it went into games where he literally was handling like 25 plus touches. I don't think the latter part of that is where Doug Peterson envisions him, but that doesn't take away. I think the importance of what Travis ATN can, you know, lay down this year in fantasy football. He's an interesting profile because he has the size to handle a workload, but I think it's his like kind of jumpiness makes him not like the traditional, like 20 touch type of player more of a home run threat and like kind of like how ken walker could be um but there's still not that much competition uh from that kind of power role he's basically switching out james robinson for like the ernest johnson and take tank bigsby um uh, i will say the jaguars did downgrade their offensive tackle spot and that could come back to bite them but last year travis Etienne and he's a, a player that's in development right now was the 48th overall player and i think there's a chance that the jaguars offense can get a little bit better and i think there's a chance that travis Etienne himself is going to get better because when we were talking about him as a prospect we were kept noting his flaws but he has all the athletic uh, all the athleticism that you can see him starting to develop into one of the better players so i think now would be the time to start dipping my toes into the travis Etienne water especially because the jaguars said they were going to bring in a power power back but they yeah. only kind of did. They did not bring in like some like massive guy. It's kind of like Tank Bigsby, which is fine. Yeah. Again, after the James Robinson trade, you got weeks of 24 carries, 28 carries, 19 carries, 22 carries. I'm not going to say that Travis Etienne is misunderstood, but I think so often when you see a player with his burst and his size, people view it as like he's a pass catching back. I would actually say, the receiving game is maybe where he's at his worst, mm -hmm. you know, and I bet the Jaguars view him as like the early down runner, to be honest with you. And then they bring in someone else to handle the pass pro and the receiving work on top of that. So yep. um, I don't know if we're going to see one of these like 300 touch seasons, obviously, but Travis Etienne and his explosiveness in an offense that if the two tackles play well in their new spots, um, I'm really excited. I'm excited for year three Etienne and really year two obviously coming off that rookie season injury. Yes. Okay, so you go from the excitement that people had for Travis Etienne to a player that seemingly no one wants to draft, Hayden, and that's Najee Harris. Yeah, nobody likes Najee because he's slow. Um, despite being very slow, he's been the 14th and 53rd overall player. Uh, in his last two seasons, the Steelers offense added Roderick Jones in the first round, a left tackle, and then Isaac Salamalu a guard spot. I think the offensive line is definitely better this year than it was in previous seasons. And I think there's a chance that like, just with Kenny Pickett going into second year, a lot of the offensive pieces are fairly young, that there's a chance that the Steelers are just in the red area a little bit more. Like for example, last year, Najee Harris, like this big power back, he was only 22nd in touchdowns inside the five yard line last year. If the Steelers are just in that area a little bit more, all of a sudden that can go from 22nd to 10th. And now you're back into the running back one mix. So nobody's going to want him. You're not going to have to pay a heavy price tag because everyone likes fast guys. So I think Najee Harris in the fourth round, I I'm definitely here for it. Yeah. His lack of big play, I think is, is important. I mean, last year he only had, let me bring it up here. 22 carries of 10 plus yards, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's not very good for a guy who, you know, gets 272 carry. And like, yeah. while we do talk about touches and volume, I think there is a big difference of like the guys who can hit the big play and score big touchdowns off of that. And that's yep. just never going to be, it's, it's just totally volume for Najee, who also can be out there in the receiving game. But I'm, I'm with you. Like, while it's still the offensive coordinator is the same, hopefully some of the changes that they've made around that, again, just makes the offense go from like at times last year feeling like league worse or bottom five to average to slightly below average in most mm-hmm. weeks this season. And that's a big help. Usually there's like one or two running backs where you get the report of, oh, I've lost 10 pounds trying to add some burst. If I can make a prediction or a want, at least it would be that Najee Harris is now 224 pounds instead of 240 or wherever he is. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. All right, let's ruffle some feathers. Next up is Miles Sanders. He's being drafted as the running back 17. You and I both in our rankings put him as the running back 14. And you know this. I love this time of year to go through what coaches are saying. And sure, in the last two years, especially last year, Miles Sanders scored a bunch of touchdowns, 11 of them. But now he's reunited with Deuce Daly, who he says is the reason why he is in Carolina, was given the highest and largest free agency deal of all the running backs this offseason. And to me, this points to him being a three-down workhorse. The coaches have said it. Frank Reich has said it. Miles Sanders himself has said it. And so I understand Philly fans out there are going to be like, well, he's awful in the receiving game. Basically, in my eyes, Hayden, Miles Sanders has to prove he is going to be awful in the receiving game this year to lose that. And at the very least, he starts off with that role. And that's all we can project at the end of the day. Because in those first two years with Deuce Staley as his position coach, 63 targets to 50 receptions, 52 targets to 28 receptions. A three-down profile, I think, is in our window of outcomes for Miles Sanders in 2023. And I think Bryce is far more likely to throw the check down underneath compared to someone like Jalen Hurts is going to be more prone to running the ball himself. And like even last year, he had 259 carries. So Miles Sanders isn't the biggest running back, but I do think he has enough size where if he was asked to touch the ball 300 times, I think there would be a chance to do it. You always hear these tropes about, uh, oh, you got to hide your rookie quarterback with with a good running back. And that's what basically Miles Sanders is. That's their goal. And he got $13 million, which is way more money guaranteed than any other fantasy running back. And last year, he was the 39th overall player. So uh, most people don't really love Miles Sanders. And I think that you and I have shown some film of him where he's a little bit inconsistent. But 
at the end of the day, it's what the coach's staff thinks, not what we think. Is Chuba Hubbard going to take that from him? Is Raheem Blackshear going to take that from him? You know, like reading between the lines and following the money and following the connections. Again, it points to Miles Sanders immediately being given the opportunity of being one of the few, few true three down players at the position in the league. And he's going to have to completely and miserably fail in order for that to be taken away from him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to reach what he did last year. Like, he's not going to score 11 touchdowns inside the 20-yard line. You know, right. he's probably not going to have 39 carries of 10-plus yards, even though this Panthers offensive line is really good. But, you like, you take some things away and give him some things he hasn't done, and to me, it will almost equal out to what we saw last season in some odds. Completely agree. Okay. So, continuing on this tier, our second rookie, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, an unexpected selection to me, by the Detroit Lions, because after Miles Sanders, Dave Montgomery got the second most money in free agency among the running back position. Is this as simple, Hayden, as, oh, well, Dave Montgomery's just going to be Jamal Williams and Jameer Gibbs is going to be DeAndre Swift? This one's so complicated. I think that's like directionally true. I will warn that David Montgomery has way more receiving skills than Jamal Williams ever had. But at the same time, they obviously think much more of Jameer Gibbs and they did yes. with DeAndre Swift. So when I put him into my model, he came out as a 94th percentile prospect. And that's with the draft capital in there. His closest comps when you're looking at size have been Reggie Bush, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Javid Bess, Chris Johnson, and Felix Jones. If you look at the per touch or the touches per year on their rookie deals for those players, it's kind of in this like a sub 200 mix, except for Chris Johnson, one of the best running backs literally of the last couple decades here. So if then beyond that, you're looking at some of the other running backs that have been drafted very highly, but are on the smaller side, CJ Spiller, Darren McFadden, who somehow is only 210 pounds, Cadillac Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Reggie Bush. And they typically don't get the same exact volume as the other top 12 overall picks in the NFL draft. Someone like Saquon Barkley, Zeke, AP, Bijan Robinson, who can handle a little bit of a workload. So I think that he's most likely going to be a running back too. The only counter to the size thing is the whole league's gotten smaller. Yeah. And teams typically drafting in the top 12 are really bad on offense. The Lions are going to be very good on offense. Right. So I think that efficiency is going to be there. So I think that it's going to be harder for him to break into the top 10 at the position. But I think he's very likely to be a top, I'll say top 20 running back, even in half PPR, just because. I feel very confident the efficiency is going to be there. We'll talk about Montgomery in a little bit. Um, Gibbs is our running back 15. And to me, it's not, answer my own question, as simple as, oh, he's just DeAndre Swift in this offense because they hated DeAndre Swift. Right. <laughs> like, right, right, right. It's pretty amazing that Swift was so productive that he was, despite never seeing really eye to eye, it felt like with the Lions coaching staff this past season. And to me, where it comes down to is, you know, no running back in the lines this year is going to get 45 carries inside the 10 yard line. <laughs> like that's just not going to happen. But what I can say even more so than that is the split between the two, I don't think is going to be 45 to one running back and then 11 to the next one, you know, and most importantly, where Sw where Swift got his production is in that receiving game and Gibbs being an explosive element who probably won't make as many mistakes and probably follow his blockers a bit better. If he instantly gets that trust, I could see him equaling whatever, like the 70 targets he got last year, but then also taking away some of those more traditional running back touches from the quote unquote workhorse back. Yep. DeAndre Swift was the running back 21 
per game. So, which is insane him. to think that they did not want him on the team. So I think I think we have him kind of pegged right here. This is where I think that his baseline could be. There's if he's really good, there's a chance he can be the running back seven or eight this year. If he's struggling with the size component, we're talking about 199 pounds here. Maybe he finishes a little bit closer to DeAndre Swift, but that would be a disappointment in this coaching staff size. They really, really wanted him. And that that was not a comment of, oh, I can't believe the Lions want to get rid of DeAndre Swift. It was more like his standing on the roster and he was still able to be productive. So if someone's mm-hmm. in a positive standing on the roster with somewhat similar skill set, potentially, just imagine what the outcome could be. Yep. That was the point. Okay. Next up, and the last in this tier, is a guy who got the rug pulled out from under him during draft weekend. Hayden, it's the player that we honestly advocated more for last season than any other. And that was Kenneth Walker heading into it. And I didn't expect heading into 2023 that I would have to spend the summer once again saying Kenneth Walker is good at football, but here we are. This sucks so much. Um, I mean, I somewhat get it. Kenneth Walker is not going to be a success rate guy, just the way that he plays but he's still hyper efficient because he's going to be ripping the home runs at a much higher clip than basically any, any other running back. And that's what, if you look at like the EPA per play or rushing yards over expected, Kenneth Walker is very high in that. And then the success rate, he's a little bit lower. Zach Charbonnet is basically the exact opposite of that. And if you're looking at draft capital, Ken Walker was drafted 41st overall. Charbonnet was drafted 52nd overall. So it's not necessarily a coin flip, but we're got to get these guys a little bit smoothed out um, so it's really frustrating. We know that the Seahawks want to pass the ball. Uh, at least last year, they were very uh, pass heavy. Maybe they're going to be a little more balanced this year, but this was a brutal for Kenneth Walker. I will say Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, both of them have passed to being top five fantasy running backs because this offense is going to be sweet. And I think that both of us like both of these players, but this was just a brutal landing spot. Um, and I don't think that anyone w- was going to see this coming, but I think that he's more, definitely an RB2, not an RB1 anymore. A few points to make. I've already seen it out there of, oh, of course, Kenneth Walker would be replaced in this offense. He wasn't an efficient runner last year, and he's not very good in the passing game. I think that's overlooking exactly what you said of one of his plays can just change the course and the outcome of a game. And it can be tough, I think, and who knows, I'm not stuck in the models like you guys are, but to sometimes quantify that. um, Now, can we say... Yeah, he's a home run threat who also sometimes tries to do a bit too much behind the line of scrimmage, and that equals negative place. 100%. But guess what? That's exactly who he was at Michigan State, and that's exactly who the Seahawks understand that they're getting on their team, and it worked out for them quite a bit last year. Uh, Second point, this is kind of the area of the calendar that it's kind of in flux of where his ADP is. Like right now he's being selected – as running back 11. And I think that's because he was a top seven running back prior to the NFL draft. And so where do you think it settles? Like, do you think that our individual rankings, I have him as running back 17, you have him as running back 16 is going to be closer to where it settles or could it be even beyond that? I think it's not going to get beyond running back 20. I think that where we have him ranked 16, 17 is about where it's going to be. I think he's going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick right around like that kind of turn. So his ADP is going to fall. So I wouldn't be drafting Kenneth Walker right now, but I do think once we get to a point where the ADPs have settled, I think Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet are both players to kind of just sprinkle into your teams because 
This offense is going to be sick. Both players are really talented. They just need one or the other to, to go away. Uh, hopefully it's not via injury, but maybe something crazy happens. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Charbonnet, but I, I did want to bring up just a video of what Pete Carroll and John Schneider Ooh. said about him because uh, I think it does outline maybe the vision for the usage of both this season. Really, Zach is, is legitimately that. You know, he's going to be right in there with Ken, and, and uh, it's going to take both guys to, to get the workload and with helps with DJ. And uh, I, I really like the versatility, like we're talking about here, because he can block and he gets the ball in the backfield. Uh, he's good on the screen game. He makes big plays. He's been the workhorse, you know, and so I think he'll, he'll be a great compliment to, to Kenny. So I, I got Ken on the phone just to talk to him about that, you know, how much we still fitting together. So uh, pretty, pretty excited about this one. So Pete Carroll called Kenneth Walker after the selection, and the number one elements of Zach Charbonnet's game that he brought up were his pass catching, his screen game, and his pass protecting. That's probably Kenneth Walker's weaknesses. So I think at the very least, again, things it's a long NFL season. Things can change. I bet we see early down Kenneth Walker work, and then mix in in passing situations Zach Charbonnet, and the two kind of go from there and earn or lose opportunities from that spot. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a, it's a true battle, and we we threw it out there. Carol loves positional competitions, like loves it. Mm-hmm. That's what he gets off on the goal line war, uh, work, I don't know what to do with. Yeah, because Charbonnet is bigger than Kenneth Walker, but Kenneth Walker, how they're kind of viewing him as kind of the the runner of the two. So I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to peg, and I I bet we're going to go into the season not knowing what role that is and we're just going to have to see who's the better player so it's gonna be very interesting yeah the other element of this i think you mentioned this is we also love zach charbonnet's profile <laughs> it's not just it's kenneth walker totally. it was also charbonnet on top of this i got torpedo i got sniped both ways and wh- what pissed me off about this is charbonnet went earlier than what everyone expected and it's still torpedoes valley so everyone that was grinding and saying oh charbonnet is no good he's slow and blah 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 they were all wrong and then they're gonna be right still this is like the freaking worst i hate that we do this just to remove myself from like the fantasy football lens of all of it from a pure team building and entertainment standpoint i love seeing these two players on the same roster just because it's two favorites who play the game differently but are very good at it so Maybe that's like my my takeaway that I can uh, pull out from it is, uh, hey, from a fun and entertaining aspect. Cool. Next player. I can't. (laughs) I I don't agree. Well, the next player was not expected for me. But going through this range again, now we're on our running back 17. This might be my flag plan of the summer. Damian Pierce. Um, Let's talk about Damian Pierce for a bit. okay? because. He only had 15 carries inside the 10-yard line last season. That was actually fewer than Jeff Wilson, (laughs) who no one would point to as being like, oh, yeah, that guy scored fantasy points. But on top of that, he was fifth in missed tackles forced. Like, this is a player to me in Damian Pierce that when his team environment just gets better and is not the second-worst team by record in the NFL, then his talents are going to be able to shine even more. I mean, a year ago, at this point, we didn't even know who's going to get the same work that he got last year. And he earned it, right? He earned it with a fantastic preseason and how Lovey Smith and his teammates absolutely loved him. Then you get the regular season and the Texans just totally suck. Now, different play caller, same offensive line with arguably like this best left tackle in the league, Bobby Slowick calling plays as well. Like only Devin Singletary is competition. Again, 
I could see, and maybe it doesn't work like this, but a huge shoot for the stars outcome of Damian Pierce having a top 10 running back season this year, for sure. I think if you want to bet on the Texans having a good season, the best way to do that is through Damian Pierce, just because it'll, it'll take a lot for CJ Stroud to like truly make a difference in fantasy. But if if Stroud is a decent player, Damian Pierce can get all that work. And I don't think people pay attention to the offensive line stuff enough just to go through the Texans offensive line. Laramie Tunsil, one of the best offensive tackles in the league. Uh, Kenyon Green going into second year. He's a first round pick at left guard. They drafted a second round center. Uh, this year, they bring in Shaq Mason, who's had some pretty strong seasons at right guard, and their right tackles Titus Howard, who's a former first rounder, a developmental guy that's going into his fifth year. And then we all always know that this Shanahan Trees has a very efficient game, and we both believe in Damian Pierce. So uh, he dodged some most of the competition. Uh, I'll talk about Devin Singletary in a bit, but Damian Pierce has plenty of ceiling, and he was already 44th overall last year. Do you think I'm crazy for this? Because no, again, he's being drafted as running back 21 and I have him as running back 15. Like once you get in this area, we, we talked about, you sent out a tweet that once you get to running back 24, you just want to exit out and shut down your computer. We're even at running back 17 here. And I just kind of want to take players who I believe in on individual talents and then also try to put in perspective how much of a team change they could be going through this year. And if it's incredibly positive, which the Houston Texans should be, Again, that raises the ceiling and even the floor of what Damian Pierce can be on a weekly basis. And I'm not scared of a $3 million one-year contract for Devin Singletary this season to like take away from a top 10 outcome for Damian Pierce. Are we doing sleepers at the end of the show or no? Oh, okay. Marlon Mack, you're going to throw him out? All right. <laughs> Next up, I'll let you speak a long time on this one. It's uh, running back 18, Aaron Jones. So this is a... No Aaron Rodgers offense in Green Bay, but A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones still occupy the backfield. So he takes a pay cut to remain on the team. The last two seasons, he's finished 38th and 28th overall in better and best ball points. Last year, he had a career-high 59 receptions. Since there's more wide receivers and tight ends involved, plus just going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, I would expect that to decline a little bit. Aaron Jones a little bit older. And the thing that was shocking to me was... Last year, he only had two inside the five-yard line carries. A.J. Dillon was unquestionably their goal line back. So I think the floor on Aaron Jones is fairly low just because of like age cliffs and just what happens in a post-Aaron Rodgers world. But at the same time, he's been a top 40 overall player the last couple of seasons. So if he has one more year left, uh, this would be it. Um, but I think this is the range where you're talking about running back dead zone and some of these players that maybe in your redraft league, everyone's used to having Aaron Jones really high. I think we're gonna, this is going to be the year where he starts transitioning into running back two to running back three and pretty much be an inconsistent player. I just don't really trust necessarily Jordan Love hitting the check down at the same rate that Aaron Rodgers did. Question, does the running back dead zone stay in the same rounds if all running backs are being drafted like a round later? I think the running back dead zone, we are entering it now. Yeah. I feel good about all the other backs other than Kenneth Walker. Let's put it that way that we have already talked about previous to this prior to this. Um, again, it is so difficult to be like incredibly optimistic about any of these guys that we are mentioning at this moment. Okay. I'm just going to list the next three and you can pick one of them to talk about. Okay. Joe Mixon, David Montgomery and Dalvin cook equal our running back 19 to running back 21. 
I'll go with Joe Mixon because we have him so much higher. The last two years, he's finished eighth and 21st overall. Uh, it's basically a fifth rounder in Chase Brown versus what they had in last year in Samaje P. Ryan. Joe Mixon quietly had 75 targets. That was a career high last year. And the contract situation is this. If they release him, it would come with $5 million dead money. The Bengals do need some cash, but they don't have to do that. And they added so little to the running back room. I'm not sure if they want to go into the season with Chase Brown Travion Williams and, and your boy Chris Evans as their top running backs. So I think people are underestimating the odds that Joe Mixon does return. And even if he does get cut, I think that he would sign somewhere and be in this kind of RB two, three range. Like there's no way he's not going to be like a top 36 player, even if he does get cut. And we're talking about upside best ball mania. It's all about upside this year, right. regular season playoffs, all that stuff. Joe Mixon had what, like a 55 point game last year. The fact that he's going this late, I think that we're underselling his path to uh, remaining as a top 10, 20 overall player. So I keep drafting Joe Mixon. He's the guy that I like in this range. And why you're saying it in that way is right now his ADP is running back 26 and we have him as our running back 19. Um, if we can, again, try to follow the money and read between the lines. I feel like if the Bengals believed he wasn't going to be in the roster, despite their previous quotes, but like during the draft, they would have made a larger investment than Chase Brown, right? Yeah, And I think this now lends us to believing that Joe Mixon is going to be an important part of their team. And if he's not, then like they have taken a pretty significant step back in their backfield, which they do rely upon. And that just makes the overall team worse. And I don't think the Bengals are in the business of being worse, you know, at any spot. Yeah. Um, not to be the boy who cried wolf either, but uh, if I can throw out a backup Bengals running back this year, Chase Brown actually might be it, not Chris Evans. So. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, a couple more names here. Oh, quickly, prediction. I think Dalvin Cook at the end of the summer is a Miami Dolphin. Maybe that throws Alexander Madison up into this tier as well. And let's say like Jameer Gibbs in an alternate universe never was a draft pick by the Detroit Lions. Dave Montgomery would be ranking so much higher on this list for me. I don't expect any of these backs to get 45 carries again inside the 10-yard line like Jamal Williams got last year. Um, but I expect them to score touchdowns. And if that role Jamal Williams ask is going to be attributed to one of these two guys, Dave Montgomery is certainly the leader in the clubhouse for it. Yeah. It's basically a two year deal worth $11 million for David Montgomery. That's pretty good for veteran running backs. And he's one of the guys we talked about. If something ever happens to Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, we'd be ranking him on a weekly basis, top eight yeah. overall. So it's, he's a player you have to have in your exposure. I think his ADP is going to drop. And I think at that point, you and I are both going to be very high on David Montgomery. Okay, let's have the DeAndre Swift conversation because it's clear now that fantasy football Twitter likes DeAndre Swift more than the NFL does based on the compensation that the Eagles were able to get him for. It's just a one-year contract that he's on. Um, my nervousness is that how the Eagles deploy high-value touches, which can be targets plus red zone touches, um, does not line up with what DeAndre Swift has succeeded with in the past. By that, I mean, last year, DeAndre Swift had just 14 opportunities inside the 10-yard line. He did have 70 targets, and that 70 targets allowed him, again, to be, what, the running back 21, as we spoke of. If you look at it, Kenneth Gainwell plus Miles Sanders plus Boston Scott combined for 61 targets on their own. So there's no way, unless... The Eagles and Jalen Hurts have totally changed how they include running backs in the passing game that he equals 
the area of where he put up fancy points this past season. And I think as a whole, the NFL views DeAndre Swift as not a quality player in their short yardage inside the 10-yard line situations. So then the question is, I'm sure he gets more of those opportunities, but he's also sharing them, as we have seen with Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, and let's throw in the curve all over Rashad Penny this season too. Yeah, so last year the Lions finished first and expected fancy points to their running back position at 26 per game. The Eagles were closer to the middle pack at 20. So that's a difference of six. And I'm with you. The high value touches, the expected fantasy points, all that stuff is through goal line opportunities, not through passing volume where Swift shines. So right. I think I'm fine with him. If his, as long as his ADP doesn't go to the moon, but that's what I fear. And it was a 2025 fourth round pick. So it wasn't even like next year's fourth round pick. It was like 2025, which is like super discounted. They basically got him for free. I think that this offense has so much upside that you want to probably be sprinkling Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift. But I think that DeAndre Swift's going to be in like a galaxy brain version of the Kenny Gainwell role. And Rashad Penny, who's a little bit bigger than DeAndre Swift, I think runs a little bit harder and maybe a little bit more consistent on the ground, he might be the guy that gets the Miles Sanders role here. So I think this one's up in the air. If DeAndre Swift's going to be like a top 15 fantasy running back, I'm going to be out again and just kind of side with the NFL, like you said, versus what fantasy Twitter says. But obviously, like of all the teams that he can go to, DeAndre Swift going to the Eagles is like certainly a great landing spot for him. Yeah, and Kenny Gamewell had more touchdown scoring opportunities than DeAndre Swift did last season. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those where, yes – his explosiveness, especially in the open field and forcing his tackles there is you can't overlook it. Like that is where he's at his best, but we've even talked about and diagrammed how he's so great at forcing his tackles as a receiver and less so as a runner. Right. Mm-hmm. And so also some frustration coaches have had about him following his blocks or accomplishing his assignment. Like who knows how that's going to fit with the Eagles yeah. right now. He is going as a running back 20. My fear as you just outlined, is he ends up as like 15 ahead of Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. you know, as like the running back 15. Yeah. Like I, I would be totally out there. I, I think that's where we're going. And also, by the way, Rashad Penny, he's always injured, all that stuff. Obviously, that's a major problem. So is Swift, him. by the way. That also true. In a different way, but yes. Rashad Penny is literally like first overall, all running backs and like rushing yards over expected for like the last like three, four seasons. So like there's a chance that Rashad Penny is just like, okay, we get a cheaper price for Rashad Penny and he still has the same ceiling path there. So there's no investment. DeAndre Swift, this is an investment in him. Rashad Penny, there's no investment for him. Trey Sermon doesn't get an investment. Kenny Gainwell doesn't get an investment. Nobody gets investments on the Eagles. It's, it's just, just the Eagles organization. Let it ride. Jalen Hurts, there's your investment. Yep. Okay. Final two, Isaiah Pacheco and James Conner. Uh, two vastly different players on vastly successful different teams. Uh we certainly do have Pacheco and he's actually like the bookend to me of where I feel comfortable ranking all these running backs. And after that, it's just a minefield. Yeah. Um, they just resigned Jerick McKinnon today, but I think as we saw last year, Pacheco is like the calling card of, Hey, you are a sixth or seventh round rookie. You gain more experience and opportunities and trust. And once we got to the end of it, he was basically the one that they leaned on towards the end of it. And I would expect them just to pick right up off of that in 2023. Jarek McKinnon returning, I think is fantastic news for Pacheco. He was already being phased out for a lot of it. He's going to be what 31 or 32 years old, small, often injured. I think that's going to prevent 
uh, someone like Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette getting in there because the depth chart now is rounded out. Isaiah Pacheco over his last 12 games averaged 84 total yards and 0.4 touchdowns. There's a chance that those touchdowns go his way, though. Andy Reid loves to galaxy brain more than anybody down in the red area, but Pacheco has enough burst and size down there where he can get hot in the touchdown department. The Chiefs last year were 13th in expected fancy points to the running back position just because they were a little bit more balanced and they were throwing the ball to the running backs a little bit more than expected. So I think Isaiah Pacheco, it feels good in this kind of range. And quickly on James Conner, and we'll close this out, is he is the volume king on a really bad team. Like, I think people overlooked when he was there with Chase Edmonds that when he was given the full workload when Edmonds was injured, how he dominated the passing game work too. And if James Conner stayed healthy last year, uh, it would have been a massive season, right? And he is a three-down player. And now he's competing with, once again, Keontae Ingram, Corey Clement, Tyson Williams, and that's it. Like, again, the Cardinals might be struggling for most of the season, but James Conner, and when it comes to checkdowns with Colt McCoy as the backup quarterback, gimme, gimme. Like, those are just a nice weekly four. Last year, he's finished 20th and 25th overall, not running back, overall per game. So he was going to go crazy if he didn't get banged up last year. And like you said, those his teammates at the running back position, they're all making $1 million or less. They had like zero investment over there. They did not add a, some crazy running back. They had every opportunity to do that in this draft. They chose not to. If you look at James Conner, any of his efficiency stats, pick your favorite one analytics community. He hasn't declined in any of them yet. He's obviously we're age or we're getting close to the age cliff. Uh, but he's getting paid $9 million against the cap this year. And he's got a lot of money in, into next year's deal. So I don't think that he's going anywhere. So this one feels really gross. And every single year it feels gross. And this is even, I've, I've been a James Conner guy. This is still feeling gross, but the dude is going to be out there because Keonta Ingram, a USC legend is just not very good. And James Conner is underrated. Good. That's almost like a hold your nose and you have to draft him at that spot. Um, ADP is really low, really yeah, low. For running back 27. We're a couple right. spots ahead of that. So it's it's certainly palatable Yeah, at that price. <laughs> it is. No, it is. I, I'm with you. Just don't tell anybody. Eat your vegetables and draft James Conner. Yeah, he's the, he's the broccolini of fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Those are our top 24 running backs. Again, we've already posted the quarterbacks. Wide receivers will be out tomorrow. So go out on the channel and look for it. Go ahead, Aiden. Uh, we were thinking about doing two sleepers at the end of this. I'm just going to, Oh yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, do you want to do them? Let's do yeah, it. I mean, I got past an hour. Who cares? You know, typically I like doing like the four ninety nine thing below right. the five. Right. We're already past it. So yeah, inflation, throw out your two sleepers and I'll throw out mine. Okay. Quickly. Elijah Mitchell is my most obvious one. I think that he's probably the best insurance fantasy option. There is, uh, in his 16 games where he's played 33% of, of the snaps, he's averaged 92 yards in a half of a touchdown per game. If you look at the backup running backs for the 49ers, which has typically been uh, like pretty kind of volatile this year, it's TDP who was worse than Trey Sermon, by the way, guys. And then uh, Jordan Mason, who's a scat back special team guy. So it's very clearly Elijah Mitchell. He's got a career of 4.9 yards per carry. And if Christian McCaffrey bangs, bangs up his knee or something like that, I think that we'll be ranking him like near the top 10. And my second guy is Devin Singletary. I'm with you. I love Damian Pierce, How but are you? for the, for the same, for the same reasons I'm on Damian Pierce, the offensive line, I want to bet on CJ Stroud. I will go back to this coaching staff has been very weird with a running back position and they brought in Devin Singletary. They inherited Damian Pierce. I'm still, I'm still very high on Damian Pierce, 
But $3 million relative to what the running back market was for Devin Singletary, I think is good. And there is no third running back on the team over there. So Devin Singletary is going late in drafts because he has no like easy path to ceiling. But if Damian Pierce misses time, I think we'd be ranking him inside the top 24. This is all just aesthetic and watching the tape. But man, Damian Pierce is too damn talented to like not hit. I even if it, even if it's just insurance, I think Devin Singletary goes so far after the other insurance options that he's still yeah. a good price. Okay, my two. The first one is a running back insurance. That is Jerome Ford, now the backup running back for the Cleveland Browns. He's going as running back 67. I'm going to have him like 20 spots ahead. Same. Not overall ADP at the running back ADP. Yep. Jerome Ford. I thought they might have gotten rid of Kareem Hunt and whoever else, Jaronis Johnson, prior to last year because Jerome Ford actually has some explosive elements to his game. Uh, I think he wouldn't just be a running back entrance type. I think we might see a couple touches mixed in here and there on a weekly basis. But again, if Nick Chubb, for once, misses time, we certainly don't want him to. Uh, I think Jerome Ford steps in and is their lead ball carrier. I believe what the NFL has told us is Kareem Hunt is just done. Like I, I think he is done in the league. Yeah. And... uh Ford is the next man up in that backfield. And then after that, let's we not forget that prior to week one of last year, the Los Angeles Rams basically pushed oh boy. Akers behind Kyron Williams on the depth chart. If Kyron Williams did not get hurt on the opening kickoff, he was basically going to be that team's running back too immediately as like a mid to late round rookie. Um, I'm not saying that I know what the Rams season is going to entail, entail this year, but what we have always said is Kyron Williams coming out of Notre Dame was great in pass pro and quite slow. Um, so if at the very least he can come in and work as a passing down specialist and who knows heading into last year, this team and their roller coaster of emotions when it's connected to Cam makers, where could it be in August? It wouldn't shock me if Kyron Williams is like the lead rusher on this team in like the opening five weeks of next season at some point. If I was Matthew Stafford and I was coming off neck surgery, I would say give me the slowest, best pass-protecting running back that you can possibly find because I'm not going to be taking some sacks. So I don't think it's that crazy. No one's going to draft Kyron Williams, especially they what they got Zach Evans in like round six or something like that. Zach Evans is kind of a basket case in like every single way that you can possibly kind of describe him. So I think it'll be kind of an uphill battle. And Cam Akers finished the season out very strong. It was actually shocking right. to me looking at his games. But the floor is non-existent with Cam Akers exactly. after last season. So I think Kyron Williams is not going to be beyond an 18th round pick this entire summer. But I do think that you should be sprinkling him. I love both your calls. Jerome, Jerome Ford, too. Pro-style offense in Cincinnati had, had a little bit of burst on tape. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and just to compare, backup running back to the Rams, Zach Evans is running back 61 right now in drafts. And Kyron Williams is running back 74. Again, undrafted in many places. And Maybe I'm a sucker for news and like what would have happened at the start of last season, but Kyron Williams was going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like Peter Schrager, right before the game, said, Watch out. He's going to be a factor in this offense. And then he gets injured in the first play and like misses the entire season, basically. So, yep. All right. Let's run it back. That was fun. Again, these are top 24 running backs, all tiered up. We're going to go on to wide receivers at a later date. But most importantly, Use all of this information and go draft on Underdog Fantasy today. I know you've heard about it. Best ball. We're the home of it at Underdog Fantasy. Try it once and you will love it. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa, everyone. Talk to you next time. See ya. 